The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Great Match Generator. Welcome to Great Match Generator, where we generate matches and see what made them great. I am your host, DJ D. Cooks here, and we have the whole gang here, finally. We have Matt, we have Mike, we have Greg. How is everyone doing? Penn State finally got some wins under their belt. Got some momentum going into next year. And the defense, as I said, after the Ohio State game, I made this known on social media, they were going to have better days. And clearly we saw exhibits A and B in the last two weeks. I expect exhibit C tomorrow. I know it's into noon kick now uh, for senior day. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from the defense. And Kevion Lee, I'm liking this big dude. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from this guy. This dude can really run the ball. He's got some physicality to him. Work on the speed a little bit. And I think we got, he might have something special with another running back in Kevion Lee. Look out for I'll actually look out for him next year. Parker Washington too at receiver. Greg, your reaction to that? Uh yeah. I'm really hoping for a third win. And uh college football is so wacky this year. We might actually go to a bowl. <laughs> yeah, because they they waived the six win requirement for this year. That's right. Oh my god. They waived the six win requirement, so Penn State might get the money after all. Yeah. <laughs> A three and five team might go to a bowl game. Yep. Now, yep. We'll, need, well, now we'll need some things to probably happen to make that a thing. But yeah, there's a real good. I mean, Penn State being such a national draw, if a team's going to take the if, if a if a bowl game down to the pinstripe bowl can't take it because they canceled already. But if a, if a team if Penn State's available, I think they would take them. I, if Penn State gets the four and five, I think they would absolutely take them. Right. Right. So, um, 
Yeah, Matt doesn't have anything to say about college football, but Notre Dame is number two in the country, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Dicos, how are you feeling about running it back with Clemson? You, you guys got to run. I feel good. I feel good. One player doesn't change everything. Okay. One player does not change the world. We tore up that defense once. We'll tear it up again. And that Notre Dame defense has gotten better as after that Clemson game too. So that has been the most stable part of your team. You, you certainly have uh, your offense has been okay. It feels like to me, but your defense is really getting it right uh, since the Clemson game. Absolutely. Yeah. So how you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. I have almost no takes on college football uh, this season. I haven't had it in me to follow as much. Um, even though I'm, I'm in a college town, but, uh, but I do enjoy college football. So it's, it's nice to hear people enjoying it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But we have four matches on the docket today. We have the reveal for next week and we have lots more to get to today. Another about college or, or talk about college football. Yeah. Ricky Steamboat versus Tully Blanchard. I actually watched it in, in, I watch these matches in year order, which is rare for me, because the matches I most wanted to see were the were the two were the two previous were the two older matches. So Ricky Steamboat versus Tolly Brancher from Starcade '84. Then we have Toshiaki Kawada versus Shinya Hashimoto from All Japan Pro Wrestling, February second, two thousand and four. Now we have Chris Hero versus Ikuto Hidaka from Evolve Wrestling, number two. 3-14-2010. And then Roosh versus Negro Kazas. I believe that was the anniversary show. Yeah, I think so. Um, that was the big that was the big hair versus hair match. Mm-hmm. Mm. Two out of three falls. Um 8-1-2014. So where, so we always start in your order. So let's start off with good old Ricky Steamboat versus Tully Blanchard. Um, and how many of you guys watched the promos beforehand? I did not. I didn't either. Um, I did. <laughs> I thought the promos told a pretty good story of like what this match sort of to- told. So, it gave you the context, even though the commentators solely and Cottle do an excellent job of giving you context because it's Gordon Soley and Bob Cottle. Um, uh, with regard to the promo beforehand, um, I actually watched a bunch of promos, not just these two. And uh, as you would expect, Ric Flair and Dusty incredible promos yep then you watch tully and ricky and those guys just kind of need to stick to in-ring work because <laughs> yeah. they, were so, they yeah. were so boring yeah two dudes who could talk you into a building and two dudes that could talk you out of one i think that's the uh i think that's the way i would describe it obviously blanchard and, and steamboat are excellent wrestlers yes but yeah on the microphone I never really saw either of them as two dudes that could talk you into a building. Um, obviously, this match, Steamboat was coming in with a rib injury. Um, so Steamboat averts the early attacks on the ribs and then totally keeps the pressure on. Um, but Steamboat keeps violently fighting. Steamboat's like that snippy puppy that keeps fighting no matter what what Blanchard does. Um um, I felt this match felt like a struggle the entire time. And that's very important to me. It just felt like two men struggling to, to get positioning, to get a move in, to get anything on. I felt like that was really important to me. Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, 
Okay, so I, I'm a, at first I didn't I didn't watch the promos, but I'm a little surprised to hear people say that Tully and, and Steamboat were bad promos. Uh, I think I think they're kind of generally considered decent promos, particularly Tully. Um, but again, I didn't watch these, so so maybe they're not uh, particularly good representations. Uh, and I also kind of have Tully's recent AEW work in my head, and I think he's been quite good uh, on the mic there. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, that's but, true. But for the for the match, uh, I really really enjoyed this. I, I watched it. Sort of first thing yesterday morning, and uh, it, it was I don't know it was just a really nice like have my morning coffee uh, to match. Uh, great struggle, I think you're right. Really um, cerebral performance from both men, particularly Tully. Working this entire match around this rib injury was just so nuanced and simple. Um, you can yeah. kind of imagine that if these two guys were like outside of a bar and one of them knew the other one's rib was hurt that some of this match would look exactly like they were fighting outside of that bar um i uh i I thought that the execution was really well paced and the the thing that really jumped out to me is i think tully um at the end of this is pulling an old lawler trick or a little trick that i often associate with lawler where i'm not sure he actually had anything in his hand but he he reaches into his trunks and pretends that he does such that like we buy that there's something in his hands. Right. Um, Lawler would do that with the chain a lot um, or the quote unquote chain, I should say. Um, And so, yeah, I I thought like, yeah, just little touches like that, that maybe I'm a little nostalgic for them. I mean, I I was born in 84, so I didn't watch this match live, obviously, but it's the kind of, the kind of wrestling I kind of grew up with the earliest ages of watching. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, two world-class workers. Steamboat is, to me, an absolute all-timer, and Tully is one of the most underrated right. in-ring performers yes. on the on the whole. Uh, and I think this is a great this is a great match that shows why. I love the the kind of blood at the end and uh, Steamboat just like straight up spitting in Tully's face. He's so mad. Uh, <laughs> w- was like almost jarring because Steamboat's such a nice guy on the whole. Uh, and his whole career is a face. It almost so. made Tully look like a baby face, but yeah, then you realize Tully's such a yeah. You, the the idea that they could, in a moment, make me feel even slightly sorry, sorry for Tully Blanchard is pretty impressive. But then immediately, like I realize, oh yeah, no, Tully's Tully's a really bad person. <laughs> um, yeah, and Steve, Tully's and the Steve, heel here. Yeah, and Steve All right, is, Tully is the heel. Yeah, it's the I even wrote that down. I was like. Even though even though Tully played a good heel, both men felt like baby faces at times. Yeah, yeah, they 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 felt like two people who were in a fight, and and in a fight, it you know it's everything goes sometimes, <laughs> and I feel like they <laughs> yep. they really felt like they wanted to hurt each other and needed to hurt each other to survive, and they accomplished it in a relatively small amount of time, and it was very very impressive. Fire and vitriol for yeah, each other. That's really good. Fire and vitriol. Oh yeah, I did write down four and three quarters for this match. So four and I three think, quarters. I think you led right into uh, the thing I wish this was even more so. And uh, Dikus knows I love in ring psychology. I, I love like the the psychology of a match. I love the story of a match. And mm-hmm. absolutely focusing on the rims, I thought was a really that was a really good touch. And I think that's a. Uh, Janelle Steamboat came in into in, in this match, uh, not really pointing it out with bandages around the ribs, but mm-hmm. with a known injury and Blanchard wasting no time in, in attacking when he could. I love that. I do wish the match were longer. I certainly do wish uh, it were a little bit longer because I, I guess probably because I just enjoyed the story so much mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoyed how these two guys worked. And, and their chemistry was evident pretty much from the jump where it starts as a, it starts as a fight. They're throwing strikes right out the gate, and then we, we get into the story of the Rims, and then we get into the comeback of Steamboat, and then we get into the the Steamboat kind of going heel for a, for a cameo appearance. So I think it was it all flowed so so well. Yeah, we we got to shape two minutes of Oahu versus versus Billy Graham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, nothing against that, so- but. So Matt, going back to the promos real quick, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was just watching um, them next to Dusty and Flair. Sure, yeah, they were going to be outclassed. Yeah, of course. yeah, it was, it was all in the tone of voice because like they seemed very robotic, like they were reaching for what they wanted to say. 
or like mm-hmm. Flynn and Dusty were just like fluid, like they were having a conversation almost. Anyway, yeah. um, it was interesting because this was on the network and it's billed there as WCW, but then all the branding around the ring was NWA and Jim Crockett. Right. Right. Um, this was before I, the merger. This was before the merger. Yeah. Um, but it still gave me like almost wwf vibes because i think this is the first early 80s match where they had big entrances Uh. um this is i think the first one we've seen where the no run rule was going on that was weird to me until i saw it in action um but yeah the the wrestling was really good i did like like y'all said the um the, the going after the ribs and it did look yeah, I think more than most of the American stuff we've looked at, this looked like a fight. It was like a street fight. And uh, I really liked how Tully in AEW right now, his whole thing with Sean Spears is he gives him the metal slug. And <laughs> and how did he win? Something in his hand. Maybe it was yep. a metal slug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really quickly, I think the other thing that I really, really liked about this match, and it's the thing I like about all Steamboat matches, is he sells for the cheap seats in a way. Um, and But he combines that here with some really nuanced selling of his ribs, right? So he's stalling before he throws punches because his ribs hurt, right? Like, so, he's got to gather himself. He's got to gather his breath, right? Yeah, right. like little stuff like that. And, and sometimes I think modern wrestling gets unfairly maligned for things like psychology and selling. But... You rarely see this level, like this sort of. High no, level you don't see this level thing. Um, yeah. And you know, it's it's a masterclass, right? And, and I th- I don't think you need to be this nuanced to have great matches, but it certainly helps a lot um, in terms of matches that are going to hold up over time. And that's why I think Steamboat does hold up really well. Yeah. Now to a match that holds up for entirely, entirely different reasons. Toshiaki Kawada versus Shinya Hashimoto, All Japan Pro Wrestling, February 22nd, 2004. Defense, Mike, what do you like to say about defense? Defense would, be, defense would be an insult to both of the wrestlers involved in the match. Yes. Uh, you know me. This was my type of match. <laughs> Big dudes throwing hands, throwing bombs. The the physicality involved here, the, even the tech stuff, even like the, the the submissions involved in this match had had, had some had some, some some more oomph to it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And the fans sure love Kawada. They yeah. popped for stretching. <laughs> yeah, Kawada, Kawada, they wanted him to beat this invader, mm-hmm. and and. Show show this formerly New Japan now zero one guy and get him the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. So really quickly, coming back up, did everybody else give their star rating for the last match? And I oh, no. oh um, four and I three quarters. Four and a half for the for the Steam Open match. I go four and a half. Four and three quarters. Um, I, I went four and a quarter, but it it like I'm almost talking myself into four and a half as we were talking over it. But yeah, right in that range. Four and, and three quarters. And I'm going just four only because um, that 80s style really isn't my style, but I still liked it. Sure. Okay. And my, and my thing about four and three quarters is that was a master class. Yeah. I, yeah, I, think, not, I, I, think to, yeah I think to Mike's point, if it had been um, like five minutes longer and the main event, I, I probably would be seriously considering this as a four and three – Maybe maybe even higher, depending on how they use that five minutes. Because, I, I mean, they were building definitely in that direction. And, and yeah, I think why the, the Flair and Dusty went, uh, went last. I, I oh, get yeah. It. They're, they're, the two big, they're the two biggest draws. Uh, in the, two of the biggest draws in, in wrestling at that time. And, yeah, in hindsight, that match only went 12 like, minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I, I get why that went last. But, yeah, this well, felt like the best match on the card. It's, I'm not sure it was, it was that close. It's Steamboat playing Bridesmaid always, right? Like, it's yeah. WrestleMania three. You know, it's a, it's a classic, but oh, right. Hogan and Andre. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of bridesmaids, we talk about two bridesmaids here: Kawada and Hashimoto. Kawada always a, a bride, bridesmaid to Mitsuawa and Kobaji. 
And then Hashimoto, always the bridesmaid to Muda and Chodo. We, we never really talk about that. Mm-hmm. And even though it's like, we're talking about great wrestlers here and, and we're talking about, we're talking about these great, great, great wrestlers. And Kawhi is considered one of the all-time greats, and Hashimoto is considered one of the all-time greats, but they're often looking up to Muto. Hashimoto is often looking up to Muto and and Chono in, like, the packing order of New Japan in the 90s. And in the in the 90s in All Japan, Kawada was always looking up towards Misao and Kobashi. Hmm, great comparisons. Um, Matt, but, you you were speechless by that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, well, I'm kind of thinking about it. I think like, yeah, I think Chono and Muda Muto are probably the bigger stars in the '90s. I, I mean, uh, my my knowledge of '90s New Japan is pretty limited, but I also think that the there was a, there was a lot of buzz and dream sort of fantasy booking about Hashimoto and the pillars because of the style, right? Because he, oh, yeah. he's this big bruising striker. And I think it was the n- most natural fit to think of Hashimoto against the pillars. And that's why when some of the, like the tag matches and then this little like kind of invasion run with Hashimoto um, happens uh, in all Japan, that's why there's a lot of hype around. That's why people are kind of white hot for it um, when, when it does, when it does go down because yeah, I think you're right. He was sort of, Probably not the one um, in most people's eyes, much like Misawa's the one in all Japan in the 90s for so long. And then Kawada. And then in Noah, it was Kobashi that was the one. Yeah, for sure. But the there was just so much energy around this idea of Hashimoto versus any of the pillars. Um, and, and even so that's why I think there's so much like the fans are just losing it for this match. Yeah. And it. This match was freaking awesome. <laughs> this match was... This is just kick, kick, punch, punch, submissions, duplexes, head drops. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love. Yeah. It was awesome for its simplicity. It, it absolutely was. It, it, it was. It kept it short, sweet, and to the point, and everything made sense, and the crowd... And this is what I love about uh, all Japan, like, Japan wrestling crowds in general. They know they they build the arc just as much as the wrestlers do. Where like okay, like it, it kind of like you start to get their feet wet, then the crowd kind of gets its feet wet, kind of gets into the match, and then as it builds and it builds and it builds, the crowd builds and builds and builds, and, and then they, they they get up for everything. As we get to the end, it's like whoa, it's like it's like a tidal wave is coming. And I I love that about the the Japan crowds in general, but especially here in this particular match. I wrote Greg, here the. I wrote here that the fans popped for a suplex reversal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, unlike you guys, I really know virtually nothing about Japanese wrestling. I'm really learning through this podcast. Um, <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we, we've seen Kawada before, and uh, it's, again, really ironic uh, comparing this stuff to the modern product, because Right now, Kenny Omega is doing this whole belt collector gimmick, and what does Kawada do? Come out with three belts stripping off of him. <laughs> um, but, but that I was Old Japan's belt at the time, yeah. And still yeah. to to this day, um, it's the triple crown. It's it's the combination of the three belts. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say I didn't really know what these belts were, but just even the way he was carrying them, you could tell uh, they meant something, and and he meant something because here's this guy with three belts. Um, the the striking, like you said, was ridiculous, but that's always to be expected out of Japanese wrestling. Um, I really liked the selling of um, of Kawada's leg. Uh, like even after he would do an offensive move, he'd be like, "Oh man, that that hurt me more than you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought oh. this was the performance of Hashimoto, not of Hashimoto's career, but it, because there are a couple other matches that come to mind when you think of Hashimoto. But but for this was like the last big match before Hashimoto died. Because yeah. he would die like a little less than a year later. Mm. 
and and um this was this was fantastic this was just fantastic right so um yeah like a couple quick things about this match for me uh it's a match that like is it's like feels kind of bittersweet um watching it because even watching it in 2004 i really wish it happened in like 1998 um yeah 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 you wish it happened in 1998 because it's it's a i mean it's a genuinely great match on its own and so it's not a knock on the match at all i think this is a match that I, i use this term a lot when i think of um certain kinds of matches i think they will their way to a great match um i don't think they had particularly good chemistry but you don't need particularly good chemistry to beat the hell out of each other And that's kind of what they rely on. I mean, I think there are places in the match where, you know, if you're watching with a really careful, like you're really closely watching and maybe nitpicking a little too much, like I often will do if I'm, you know, preparing for something like this or rating or something. There are places where they're just not quite on the same page where, you know, there's a kind of stark contrast to how Kawada would work with Misala, for example. Um, But that's all aside, right? These guys didn't have a ton of time working together uh, that I know of. And they've had hard careers, right? It's, you know, they're in the, the latter stages of their careers. And they're not just careers. They're, they're tough roads that they've walked. Um, and I think they did a really great job putting together, as you all said, a really simple story that played to both men's strengths. Um, we end up getting the kind of screwy interpromotional finish with the, the towel being thrown. And it, does, it doesn't feel unsatisfying, um, but you, you know, you still kind of party wishes that there wasn't any of the politics involved that you could sort of have something a little bit, um, a little bit different, or at least for myself. Yeah. Uh, it came off anticlimactic. Yeah. I, I even wrote that it came off anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, and so, but the match is, you know, again, really good. And, and both men are playing to their, their strengths. Kawada's ear gets busted open partway through this match. Um, he is a historically great seller, particularly of legwork. There's some kind of all-time classics that I would put in my top 50 that really are carried partially on Kawada's leg selling. Uh, uh, 6595. Right. So, so he's, he's, he's using the things that he does really well in this match. Uh, and I, I just looked this up because I, I didn't know. Hashimoto actually had the triple crown before Kawada and had to vacate it for a dislocated shoulder. And so I'm, I'm thinking this is like the, the match to settle the score, right? Like I vacated yeah. my title, you have the title, I'm gonna come back and claim my belt, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that adds a little bit of layer to like what's happening here. You see Hashimoto's silent charisma. He's just, you just look at him, you're like, oh man, somebody's gonna get hurt. And yep. <laughs> he carries himself as a champion, even without the belt. Um, Kawada has a very similar, like menacing presence, even though he's a relatively small guy compared to a lot of his peers. And, and so they, you know, they, they do a lot of work with their presence here. They do a lot of work with their reputation. And I think that they, they carry that into the match in really smart ways. And that's what, that's what happens when you put two all-time greats in the ring with one another. They're going to, they're going to one way or another, find their way to a, at least a good, if not great match. You know me, I, I adored this thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I did four and three quarters. I was like, I, I know about the inconsistencies. I know what this would be. This is like comfort food. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I'm like, I'll be generous to this. Sure. It, 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 in my head, it's four and a half. But in my heart, it's four and three quarters. And I go with my heart. When I rate wrestling matches, fair. I probably go four and a quarter. Uh, I would. I wish it were a, the the ending were a little bit less political. I agree. I can. I'll buy that. Uh, but oh, oh no, I did enjoy. I you know I do enjoy some physicality when it comes to big dudes <laughs> punching each other. I'm all for it. Uh, I'm I'm the same. I'm a I'm a ghoul. Uh, I like I like people hitting each other hard and uh, busting each other up. And so I, I gave it. You know, it's funny. Three of the matches actually get the sort of exact same rating for me. The somewhere between four and a half and four and a quarter. Um, and that's where this lands. Probably closer to four and a half all told. I, I 
This is another one I watched twice and liked a little bit more on the uh, second go. And it's just, you know, again, what's what's there not to love about these two dudes beating each other up? Yeah, what's, what's not to love? <laughs> um, speaking of dudes beating each other up, Greg? Uh, and then I'm going three and a half, but again, it's, it's mostly because it's me. Um, I'm the outlier on the podcast here. I don't know anything about this Japanese wrestling. And not knowing the stories really just takes away from it a little bit for me. Um, but I still do like the matches themselves. It's just hard to really get into it if I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Chris Hero versus Ikuto Hidaka. Hidaka. Is that how I say it? I think that's it. I think it's. I think it was Hidaka. Yes, from Evolve Wrestling number two. Evolve is that old. My God. <laughs> Time has flown, you know? Now Evolve no longer exists. Yeah, I was going to say, was that old? <laughs> was that old? Oh, goodness. This was in 2010. I think with this match, uh, for me... It was it's it was styles make fights. It was the physicality and the striking of Hero and Adaka's text uh, technical skill and how can can Adaka kind of exploit the speed advantage and use the technical skill to top to chop down the tree of a slimmer uh, Chris Hero than what we're probably used to seeing um, in the latter part of the, of the last decade and, and in the twenty 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 now so. I think that was the. I think that's the thing I, that I took away from this the most of Idaka's abilities and how successful he was in chopping down the big tree that was Chris Hero, and, and going after and going after the legs and going after the legs repeatedly until he could finally chop him down. I think that's what made this match kind of stink. Again, stuck to that psychology that I enjoyed wrestling so much. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Um, just really. I thought the work was very interesting. I thought the finishing stretch was pretty interesting too. I thought this. I thought all the selling mattered. The little things mattered, yeah. and I just felt. I just felt the grappling. Grappling was interesting, which is hard to do. Uh, Greg, Greg, do you want to go on this one? I'm. I can be wordy, and I think I have the most to say about this match. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, this is probably my eh, probably second favorite, actually. I, I like the the last one we're going to talk about, but um, just because again, I'm familiar with these guys. Uh, it was nice to see Cassius Ono and uh, Cesaro <laughs> in their uh, prior forms here. Oh, were they? What were they? The heroes of wrestling or something like that? Kings King of wrestling. Was, was it heroes or kings of wrestling? Kings, kings of wrestling. wrestling. Kings of wrestling. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, they were they were great in this. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, of heroes work as Cassius Ono because um, NXT. I, I know I'm the weird one. I like NXT UK. Uh, he was over there recently. I'm okay uh, with UK. I'm okay with UK. Yeah, it's fun, and he was over there playing this character that was basically an American trying to out British wrestle the British. Yeah, wrestling. where he and, wasn't uh, strikes anymore. It was all it was all technical skill. Yeah, and I saw a lot of that in this match with his uh, submission skills here on display. You definitely see where he got that kind of reputation. Um, uh, we, we saw a lot, on the last podcast, there was a Japanese match where I commented that they were using painful holds to like secure the arms, and they were doing that again here, and I, I love that realism. Um, I, I really noticed... I never noticed before how big Chris Hero is, and I didn't know if he's a big guy or Hidaka's really small. But both. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah. The size difference was so so evident in this match. Yeah, and I really like how Hidaka was working over the leg to kind of counteract that size, and um, the, the way he was kind of taking things to the ground and going for the submission game because he knew he was never going to compete with um, the striking ability of Hero. Uh, so all that played into the psychology, and I, I loved that. So 
uh, yeah, th- this was a really great match for me. Um, but uh, I will say, again, the, the ending was a little weak, uh, kind of like the last match, um, just because I thought the kicks looked a little weak. Um, and a high kick to the face won the match. Uh, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more oomph to my ending, but that's mm-hmm. nitpicking. True. Uh, yeah, so this match, like, sort of encompasses a lot of things that I really love about independent wrestling in the 2000s to early 2010s, um, and also things that kind of bug me about it. And the the first thing is that I, I love Golden Era independent wrestling, um, so you're like, you know, you're 2002 on um right because there's so much like experimenting right there's so much it's like it's like a punk rock scene it's like there's lots of people who are really trying to find themselves as workers and they're obviously so talented and so i think if you go back and watch like the early um danielson stuff or brian or uh, daniel bryan stuff in ring of honor and and so on you'll see that right they're doing shoot stuff they're working strong style they're King's Road stuff. There's there's so many elements of different kinds of wrestling that are fascinating, and to see them come together is really cool. Um, Chris Hero to me in 2000. Uh, what, what year is this? 2010. 2010. Um, yeah. So Chris Hero in 2010. This is right before he goes to NXT or right before he signs with the WWE for his first run. I think is is to me kind of the last bastion of that. He's pulling from the British grappling style a lot, which not a lot of other people were doing. And he's really implementing it in cool ways. Um, But he's also just worked with Misawa. They talked about that in the match itself. So again, I think Hiro is blending a lot of wrestling together in this, this very unique package that becomes Chris Hiro. And he's really a pretty polished performer at this time. He's, he's, he's a put together wrestler. And, um, Hidaka is coming. This is also the time where like lots of independents are bringing in Japanese stars, particularly. And oh, I remember type. it was like every weekend. Yeah, some like, Japanese star was like coming in. <laughs> yeah, these kind of dream matches and evolve is kind of a sh- offshoot of Ring of Honor. Gabe Sapolsky used to book for Ring of Honor. Now he owns he owned Evolve. Um, he was USA. Yeah, Dragon Gate USA. So it's and it's it's a revival of like matches for matches' sake, right? Like we're gonna wins and losses are gonna count, and um, we're gonna really focus on the wrestling, right? That's that was kind of early evolve. Um, so that to me, that context is kind of important here, because that context also creates the thing that annoys me about this time period when you have this match that like I don't know why they're fighting each other other than to fight each other, which is fine. Like, I'm okay with that. I love great matches for great matches' sake. I'm okay with that. But it also makes it so those matches often have kind of a ceiling to them for me. Um, And then this match, each time I've watched it, has, like, kind of talked me into loving it by the end. Um, It starts with this very, like, great grappling. Everything's put together nicely. Everything's tight. Everything works well. And by the end, I get that they've become really frustrated with each other and a little bit upset with one another for the the targeted limb work that goes on in the match and you know all this other stuff that I kind of buy that they have a reason to other than just I want to win the match, um, which I think is important, right? I think that that helps elevate a match. So I wind up really loving this match every time. And the first five minutes, I always think, ah, oh, this match is not as good as I thought. I remember it being. And then by the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is as good as I remember it being. This is mm. really great wrestling. Uh, I absolutely love the grappling here. It, Hiro and Hidaka are meshing catch wrestling and sort of your classic British style and um, so, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, and it's also fluid. It's so hard to find that. Um, Hidaka is a great technical worker, but I think they mentioned it early in the match that he's often known for his strikes, um, which might help explain the finish a little bit. I also think it helps explain the psychology of the match that Hiro, despite being a striker himself, kind of wants to keep it tight because he's the bigger guy and he can outpower him in grappling. And, um, you know, maybe he thinks he has a little bit better chance there. And, and that 
I think it ex- helps explain and round out why the match flows the way it does. Um, and if you're going to have a match, a great match for match sake, you got to have real attention to those kinds of details. I think uh, I, you know, I won't go into like, you know, I've, I've talked everybody's ear off about the context and why I think that's really important for this match and why it adds yeah. to my, my overall enjoyment. But the one spot that I really love is hero going to like a headstand to get out of an ankle lock. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was just like that was clever. You know, yeah, very clever, very um, you know, very nineteen seventies British style world, world sport. sport. Um, and, and so yeah, th- this match I always wind up loving it. I always wind up thinking it's it's really top end stuff, uh, and it, it you know doesn't dis- didn't disappoint me this time either. Yeah, this didn't disappoint me either, and I like to have it. I like the context you gave, like having like a match for match sake. Um, sometimes it can be good. Sometimes it can be just bad, you know, like, like, like during like the super indie movement, it can get tiring, like having great matches for great matches, like the PWG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like those matches aren't, you know, I, I, yeah, those I love matches it. aren't bad. It's just, yeah, when you have so many of them. It's like, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's too much. Yeah. Co- context matters. And it's, it's the difference between a match like this that I have ranked really high and a match that I would think is le- like a legitimate contender for the top 100. Um, there's not a ton of those legitimate contenders for the top 100 that I don't feel like have real teeth to them. And this match takes a little long to get to that point to me. Um, where we rate this? I said four and a half. I did too. I, I like the the story that was told. Uh, like I, like I was saying about chopping the tree down of uh, of Ono's legs, and I find it, it, it took a while, but it finally ended up happening at the end. And Ono eventually getting those strikes, those elbows that Ono were throwing, those were bombs, and, and, and you could hear him that that uh, Ono was dropping those elbows in the back of the head, and it, it, it all kind of flowed pretty well and made sense. A so four and a half for me. Uh, I'm going to give it, I actually give it four and three fourths by hair, like just gets over that mark. Uh, and so some of that's me reading story into the match as opposed to what I'm being told. Um, I think, you know, stuff like elbow or, or hero's elbows, not putting Hidaka down because his legs been worked on the whole time, right? You know, your power comes from your legs. You get the base, right. Right. So stuff like that, I read, like I read that into the match. I suspect Hero reads that into the match and Hidaka reads that into the match. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that all those little, the devils in the details that are meant to be there and, and give it four and three fours. Um, I'm going four and a half, just like uh, Danny and Mike. Um, yeah, great British kind of style uh, indie match. And that's definitely up my alley. Roosh, Negro Casas from the anniversary show. Um, two out of three falls, hair versus hair. I wish the first two falls were a little bit longer than what they were. And but that's every CMLL. That's match. every CMLL match. So yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Bruce's drop kicks. Ooh. They're mean. <laughs> those, those drop kicks were nothing to mess with. Like that that first one that won the first fall, man, like that. It felt like you could, like it was a kind of a little bit of a hesitation to it, and then once it finally landed, boy, did it it was like the perfect right hand in a boxing match. So like it was that really that was the thing that stuck out to me the most, along with the story. But it was, yeah, those those drop kicks were just devastating. Something that stuck out to me was just Negro Casas's performance. He's fifty four at the time of this match, dude. Dude can still move like he's. 30. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, God bless Negro Casas. That, God that man bless is, him. Just man is, God bless him. Your part, man. man is timeless. Uh, yeah, I think this is just great storytelling. Uh, this is really simple. Um, your, your alpha male young guy who's bigger, stronger, faster, beating up an old man who has been at it for a long time and is going to eventually, you know, eventually get the best of him until he gets cheated right until he's cheated out of the match and i i think it's it's just brilliant it's simple um it's executed so well 
I think they played again. One of the things I've, I've mentioned a couple of these matches, they played to their strengths, and they played to Casas' strengths at the time. And he, they didn't ask him to do anything he couldn't do, and he executed everything just kind of pitch perfectly in terms of telling the story. Um, I, I, I actually kind of in this particular circumstance, I don't the the short first two falls I. I can get a little tired of because it can be redundant, but I kind of think of it as telling the broader story of a Rudo and a Technico in the context of the match, right? The, the Rudo usually gets the first fall. And so that's the Rudo getting one up on the, the Technico and then Mm -hmm. the Technico trying to like having to come from behind uh, and fight back and show fire. And that, that helps me kind of at least like accept this this trope um, of of particularly CMLL matches and these stakes matches. So and I hear I thought it worked well. Right? He jumped in from the outside. Of course, Casas is going to take an early fall, um, mm-hmm. and then he gets a gets a kind of cheap one when he outsmarts uh, he outsmarts Rush and his uh, and his team on the whole. So I thought, yeah, really brilliant stuff. And just again, God bless Negro Casas. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. Yep. God bless him. Greg? Um, as with a lot of this stuff, I'm going in completely blind. Uh, so I just had to kind of pick up through context that this was two out of three falls and that it was a hair versus hair match. Uh, so uh, especially that first fall, I was just like, whoa, is the match over? <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> uh, as I've said on, on here before, I'm really big into kind of the presentation around the wrestling and this was the first kind of big modern overly produced thing i think we've uh which i loved uh i i did they say roosh is part of los and gobernales here yes yeah i I kind of picked up on that and that was really cool to see um i don't know who the midget was um in the entrance or why he was dressed like a horse uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we don't want to explain. I, I, I don't really have an explanation for that. <laughs> yeah, I have no I, idea. Yeah, I, I, do, I do like how Roosh attacked uh, Nagar Casas before the bell, and the announcer just kept going like nothing happened. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, but man, Roosh just looks like a jerk like he just looks like a heel he, he has a out of punchable face but where you don't want to punch him because he's gonna knock you out uh how he flexed on him in the first when he won the first ball you, you remember that yeah you were just like flexing like yeah, yeah I, I beat this old man up yeah he, he, he didn't even look at leg. He, he's like he's just the foot over him just, it just, just posed for the crowd like it, it was, that was that was such a heel move that was absolutely a heel move um, and then, like you guys said, he, he's obviously bigger, stronger, faster. His drop kicks are incredible. Um, when he lays into Negro, it's just nasty. Um, and uh, I, I, I will say that the the end. Normally, I wouldn't like a baby face winning on like a cheap or um, get, getting not not the end. Sorry, the baby face win here. Um, I normally don't like that being on a uh, like roll up, like a cheap victory. But right. I, I, I like the way this was played out. It it, it was more believable because um, of the distraction and everything. Um, and you know, being the babyface and being so old as you guys are pointing out, uh, you kind of needed to to yeah get a little more cheap of a victory. Yeah, a, a little like a little bit of context for that is Casas often plays a kind of like historically has often been a kind of sneaky Rudo in, in a lot of ways. So it's very much in line with his character here, even like because he's facing somebody who outmatches him and is more dastardly than he than he is even. Um, so again. Just uh, it made it made a little bit of sense to me in the in the moment that he would like yeah I'm going to take advantage of this because that's who I am I'm Negro Casas. I also like learning these terms like Rudo and Technico. I yeah they don't they don't exactly translate to face and heel Technico face Rudo 
appeal. But I think for conversation's sake, it's a, it's a fine kind of way of thinking of it. Yeah, and it didn't. It doesn't really even translate within the matches. Like you, you see their, their versions of a heel act differently than what we yeah. would be a heel. And same with the baby faces. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really cool seeing these different styles where um, it it messes with your traditional thinking of uh, a good and bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I thinking back on it. I really like this match. I was like, Roosh is such a ass here, <laughs> you know? And and it's like, Roosh, you know, it's, it's real. I don't know why I was so nitpicky on the match before. Okay. Honestly. So, I, I think the thing about Roosh is that he's got to be the most translatable Mexican-born luchador out there right now, right? Like, he just makes sense for American mindsets, I think. He's yeah, he's he's athletic, he has the look, he is a great heel worker, like, and I mean that heel, not necessarily just Rudo. Um, and and I think he just, he makes sense. And, and so I think that's another reason why this match kind of, shines and stands out and it's just he's really translatable you know you could i could picture him in aew or wwe he's i think he's the ring of honor champion right now isn't he yeah Um, yes you know i could i could picture him on a a bigger program finding a lot of success and i can also totally see how in in that stable he works with like andrade like Mm -hmm. Like Andrade gives me a, a similar feel, like yeah. that just arrogant luchador who it's so easy to to hate, but yet you, you know he's a threat. Style. Yeah, you know he's a threat. He's not a a chicken s heel. Nope. Yeah, I agree with that. Rouge comes off as like as like not chicken s, but sort of like. Cool, but not an ass. At, but comes off like an ass at the same time. Too many modern heels become so cool that you like them, and he just seems like no matter how cool he is, you're always gonna hate his guts. Yeah, like MJF. And MJF is, is immediately the guy I think of when in that particular category. Like you want to see him get punched in the face. But he's so, so cool as a heel. I, I, you just can't help but respect it. And, and, and MJF is exactly an example I think of when it comes to that kind of heel. Yeah, it's a good comp. So, I just generated the matches for next week. And boy, we have some good ones. Should we do the star ratings for that one first real quick? Oh, yes. I I bumped it up to four and a quarter. That's where I'm at too. I'm at four and a quarter. Same. Um, I have except for the Hidaka Hero match, I have them all kind of the four and a quarter to four and a half. You know, it would probably depend on my mood that day. Uh, I'm going four and a half. This is actually my favorite of four. Um, okay. yeah, I was really able to get into this one for some reason. I think it was again that modern overproduction uh, to it that really caught my eye. Nice. So next time, we have Mitsuharu Misawa versus Toshiaki Kawada from 7-24-1995, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Then we have the Dangerous Alliance, Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Arn Anderson, Larry Sabisco, and Bobby Eaton in War Games versus Sting Squadron. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Sting, Ricky Steamboat. And I heard I heard Matt said yes. Yeah, he, he was ready. He was ready for Terry that. Wyndham, Dustin Rhodes, Nikita Koloff. This, this this match is awesome. I, I, I already know this match is awesome. Then we have Minami Toyota and to- Toshio Yamada versus Dynamite Kansai and Mayumi Ozaki. Two out of three falls. Triple WA All Japan women's. I think that's the Dream Slam match. 
Oh, yes, that's okay, so okay. good. And then we have the G1 final from the first G1. Chono versus Rude. Yeah, he's stacked. All right. That's stacked next week. That's a, pretty, that's a good show. That's a good. That's going to be a good show next week. Next week, next week, uh, prepare, prepare for, prepare for takes. We're not watching the WCW match between Chono versus Rude. We're not watching that one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. So that that uh, War Games match made my first ballot for greatest match ever the first year, and then got bumped off the second year. So I've, I've been meaning to rewatch it. This is a really good excuse for me to okay to go back and give it another give it another chance to to get back into it because man, I love that match. Yeah, and then the. T- then the two out of three falls all Japan women's tag from Dream Slam. Holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah. Though if you guys haven't seen those, get ready. It's, it's, a, it's a, there's a lot of action. Alright. And then we have Misawa Kawada. <laughs> just 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 hang in there. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so, it's a good good group. Yeah, good, good good grouping by me. <laughs> Good job. Um, so, DJ D Cooks on Twitter, Great Match Generator on Facebook. That's where you can find us. All right, uh, Twitter.com/slash/beastmike is where you can find me. Uh, and uh, obviously the Sports Lounge page on Facebook. I will be. I did my picks for the NFL a little differently. I put up twelve of the sixteen because there are four AFC ones that feel like playoff games to me. So I'm going to focus on them individually. One of them, obviously, one of them features my Dolphins. We got the hardest one of the four. We play the Chiefs. You're a Dolphins fan? On Sunday. I'm a Dolphins fan. I didn't oh, know that. Too? Oh, you're a Dolphins fan, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, give, give, me a, give me your thoughts real quick. Um, Dolphins, Chiefs. How, how do we beat the, uh, the champs? Oh, uh, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a three-pronged effort everybody's got to basically play perfect i think on defense offense and special teams and a little bit of luck i i've i have been i mean as a dolphins fan you know like it's hard for me to believe in nice things yeah it's it's hard for me to believe that this team's for real but i think they've played they've played up to their competition played above the expectations right um and so they keep doing that and they keep surprising me except for that denver game uh, I kind of felt like that was a trap game anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, so we'll see. I, I'm I'm not going in expecting to win, but I'm also, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting them to just roll over either. That, that defense, that defense loves to loves to feast. So it's uh, one, I, it's one of the best defenses in the league, and has been magnificent at causing turnovers. Absolutely. Against, and, and now you're facing a team that has been magnificent at preventing them. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest key is ball control. Kansas yeah. City does not do well against the run. Okay. Yeah, that's starting, true. It's starting to run the ball uh, much better over the last couple weeks. And you got Gaskins back. And Washington yep. apparently is coming back uh, to, to join Patrick Laird. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the big thing for me. Ball control. Can you keep Mahomes off the field? I trust Flores against against Kansas City because just the sheer depth of, on, on defense. You need yeah. a secondary to deal with Kansas City. Miami has one. I Absolutely. trust them against them. And and Xavier Howard is the best cornerback in the league. I'll hear no Facts. arguments to the contrary. Facts. Defense um, and and Tua, if Tua can make like five really good passes, I think they could be like probably two that I thought that's the that's the Tua I wanted to see. The bomb um, that Grant that he dropped and the, the one to Parker, right? Yeah, he also threw another one. Uh, I think it was to Parker as well. It was just a little bit before the one everybody's talking about that I thought was excellent. He just kind of rolled out and just hit him on a dime. Yeah. Um, that just didn't get quite as much hype as that one that he squeezed into that super tight window. But, yeah, he's he's shown flashes. We need a little bit more than just flashes in this one probably, though. Yes. Yeah, against this team, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, right. you know I was gonna get to work out on the Dolphins today. Right. I, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I, I, you know, I'm always ready for that, but I wasn't expecting it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm a Bears fan and they suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rollins football. 
Oh, <laughs> Every I, week. I, I really, I really hope you guys draft a quarterback next year. I don't want to see Trubisky or Foles as your starting quarterback in twenty twenty one. That's brutal. No, no, we are, we are doomed to never have a quarterback or an offensive line. Um, but, you and Pat uh, Browns both. <laughs> hey, at least we got Allen Robinson, Penn State, or so for, for, for um, a couple more weeks. We'll we'll, we'll take care of him next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can uh, catch me over on Twitter at PSU Optimus, uh, just like the uh, Transformers character, or over on YouTube where I do most of my work. Uh, with action figures, uh, and that's at Wrestling Optimus. Um, I just dropped my latest video last night, which is my review of AEW Dynamite with uh, the appearance of Shaq. <laughs> oh, yeah, that appearance of Shaq, that, that really... Did you know that Dustin versus 10 got over a million viewers in the minute by minute? That's awesome. The... <laughs> Average overall was nine hundred ninety-five thousand. So, with DVRs and whatnot, you can just call that a million, million viewers. Oh, yeah. Dynamite! Finally. Yep. Yeah. Um, you can uh, you can find me at Markout Mountain on Twitter. That's that's where I'm at on the Twitter machine. Uh, mostly just talking randomly about wrestling that I love. Yep. And the forum. The forum. Yes. Uh, the forum. Um, is at I always forget gweproject.freeforums.net. Yeah, you should always do that plug. You remember the address better than I do. gweprojects.freeforums.net. Um, if you type in GME projects into your Google, you should find it pretty easily. But uh, yeah, forums great, great place to chat about wrestling, wrestlers, matches, so on and so forth. So, and for next time, we are we have a stack show next week. Holy mackerel! Exciting. Yep. So until next time, we will see you later.